0: From God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. Some areas are no-go areas, at least for most people, based on what they've heard or experienced. Perhaps you know of some such areas, and you'll be hesitant to go there even today. When I was on Vicarage in Memphis, we did a phone bank for Lutheran Hour Ministries. We got a few responses with people requesting their booklets and information about the churches. We had put packages together and I decided that it would be better to take it to them personally rather than mailing it to them. I was assigned a particular area by my supervisor. I had packages for 10 people in the area. The first three or four apartments I knocked on no problem. People came out right away. I told them why I was there and they received the packages with joy. I drove about half a mile to the next set of apartments. I knocked on a door and I could tell people were there, but nobody came out. I stood there for a couple of minutes, then I left. I walked across the lawn to the next address, same result. I kept going. I knocked on the next apartment according to the address I had, no response. Somebody came out of the next apartment, looked at me, and then went back inside. I decided to go to the next address on my list. When I got there, again, nobody responded. But someone came out of the adjacent apartment and asked me what I was doing. I told him, he said the person had gone to work. Still, with my remaining packages in hand, I kept going. I went to the next address. Again, no response. Somebody popped his head out of the next apartment, did not say anything, and went back inside. By this time, I could sense that people were watching me. I did not know why. Next apartment, same result. By this time, when the neighbor came out of his apartment, he asked me what I was doing, and I told him, He said the person was not there. Then he asked me if I had realized that people were watching me. I said I had sensed that, but I wasn't sure why. He told me it was not safe to be out there in the middle of the day like that, looking like a stranger and going from door to door. Now I began to be really afraid. I thanked him and left immediately. I had not realized that the neighborhood could be a dangerous place. After he had spoken to me, I looked around and saw a few more people had come out of their apartments looking at me. Now it hit me that this was really a dangerous place, a no-go place for strangers. Needless to say, I never went back to that place again. I drove through that neighborhood a few times to other places, but I never even parked there. It's been 22 years, and I still remember. I was at those apartments to share words of Jesus, words that transform people's lives. I was there to do that by the booklets I had and information about the churches and what I would say. I never really had a chance to do it the way I would have liked to, but I was pleased that those who had requested the information and the booklets had listened to the radio program. I can hope that the words they heard and the words they read from the booklets that I took to them affected them in some positive way and performed a work that I did not get to see. Even though I did not get to see people jumping up and down because of the message they had heard, I am reminded of what God has said in Isaiah chapter 55. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth, and making it bud and flourish, so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out of my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. In our Gospel reading, we see Jesus at Jacob's well in Sychar, taking a break from his journey with his disciples from Judea to Galilee. It is not surprising that Jesus was tired. It shows his real humanity. He and the disciples had been walking for a long time. The distance between Judea and Sychar was about 30 miles, and it was hot. It was noon. Noon was considered the beginning of the hardest hour, so it was good for Jesus to take a break at this time. He had sent his disciples to go and buy food for them while he stayed behind at the well. Unknown to the disciples, he had a gospel moment planned. And this was going to happen in a town of Samaria. Samaria of all places. When Assyria conquered Israel in 722 BC, it exiled most of them. They brought in foreigners to settle the land. They mixed with the remaining residents and mixed their foreign gods with the true God of Israel. The Jews were very upset by this. You can understand why. The very reasons why they had been sent into exile in the first place was these mixed marriages forbidden by God at that time because it could lead to the worship of false gods and idols. And it did. The Samaritans and the Jews were hostile toward each other's holy sites. The Jews insisted that Jerusalem was a proper place for the temple Samaritans maintained just as strongly that it was Mount Gerizim. The Samaritans' form of the five books, first five books of of the Bible even includes a demand to worship at Mount Gerizim in the Ten Commandments. In the first century AD, a group of Samaritans entered the Jerusalem Temple secretly and desecrated it with corpses leading to the Samaritans' permanent exclusion from Jerusalem's temple. The mutual hatred could not be resolved. The Samaritans held on to the promise that Moses was the last prophet until a future restorer like him would arise. They were holding on to the promise of Moses that Moses had made so long ago. Now the unnamed woman comes to Jacob's well to fetch water. Jesus and his disciples had left Judea in a hurry to get away from the Pharisees because the Pharisees had heard wrongly that Jesus was baptizing people and that his followers were increasing. John tells us that they had to go through Samaria. They had to pass through Samaria, not because it was the only way to Galilee, but because it was the plan of Jesus to do so. Do something, you know, it is part of the divine plan to save people. He stopped at Jacob's well for the purpose of meeting and speaking with this unnamed woman whom he knew would come there alone to fetch water in the middle of the day. During this hottest hour of the day, people would normally seek shade and rest. This woman comes during this hour and alone to fetch water. That was not the usual practice. Because she came alone, we can surmise surmise that she was not welcome to go with other women since women usually came to draw water together. Jesus speaks to her. He speaks to her for quite a while. Ancient practice looked down on men speaking at any length with women who were not their relatives. Will you give me a drink? You are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Now, hospitality demanded giving drink to a visitor. But what if the one asking you belongs to the enemy? So the woman seemed genuinely shocked that Jesus would dare to ask her for a drink. According to Jewish tradition at that time, a Samaritan woman was continually unclean it would therefore be impure to drink water from a vessel in spite of that Jesus asks her for a drink when she asked him how he could ask her for a drink he said he could give her living water just for the asking you could almost hear the woman saying to him you are joking right here you are just a second ago asking me for a drink and now you are telling me you are the gift of God and you will give me living water? There is no flowing water anywhere. That's what living water is, flowing water. It is priced more than well water. The woman found the idea extremely attractive, if only for the fact that she would no longer have to come to the well all by herself in the heat of the day just to fetch stagnant water. If this promise of living water actually happens, she will finally be able to rest and not have to be wary of prying eyes when she goes to fetch water. Living water. John explains later in chapter 7 that this living water is the Holy Spirit that those who believe in Jesus were to receive. She would have something that a townsfolk who despise her would not have. Perhaps you've wondered why she had had five husbands. Many assume that she was at fault for that, although we know that at that time, men could divorce their wives for any reason. It is possible also that those men in her life had died and now she was not certain about marrying again. So she did the next best thing to being married live with her current boyfriend. Was she planning a sixth wedding with that man? It is something I wonder about. Jesus does not press further on this matter. But that exchange prompted the woman to say, sir, I can see that you are a prophet. And she talked with him about something that had been bugging her for a very long time, about the proper location for worship. Is it Jerusalem or Mount Gerizim? This question had been a thorny issue for hundreds of years. Jesus replied that a time was coming when the location of worship would no longer be relevant. Instead, people will worship in the spirit and in truth. Jesus is the location of worship. All true worship is found in him. Worshiping anyone else is not true worship, even though such worship may make one feel good. When the woman said she knew that the Messiah was coming and that when he does, he would explain everything to them, Jesus said, I myself am the one. This woman became the very first person who would hear directly from Jesus that he is the Messiah. What a blessing Jesus bestowed on her. Even when Peter had responded to Jesus' question about whom they say he is, and Peter said he is the Messiah, the son of the living God, Jesus had told him that he did not come to this conclusion through his own efforts, but that it had been revealed to him by his Father in heaven. But he tells the woman directly about his identity. Jesus spoke words that transformed to the woman. He changed the trajectory of her faith and life. He changed her from someone who would hide from the prying eyes of her neighbors to someone who would drop everything she had intended to do to rush back to town and speak boldly about Jesus to her neighbors. She simply summarized their conversation with Jesus to them. Come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? And they in turn dropped everything they were doing and rushed with her to go see Jesus. She had become the bearer of the good news, the first evangelist to her hometown. Through the words of Jesus to her, and now based on the words of Jesus to her, her townsfolk are moved with eagerness to seek Jesus and to follow him. Words that transform lives. That is what Jesus' words do. Her compatriots said to her, we no longer believe just because of what you say, Now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the savior of the world. Words that transform, the words of Jesus, always. If they were staying away from the woman before, that was no longer the case. I imagine that the woman did not have to go to the well at midday by herself anymore from this moment on. And I imagine that she would get married to husband number six and this time with Jesus at the center of the marriage. The effect of Jesus' words may not always be visible or appreciated by everyone, but the power of his words never failed to transform the life of somebody and sometimes the lives of many people. This transformation may not be as dramatic as it was with a woman and a townsfolk, but the power of his words still remain. The power of those same words of Jesus, the good news transforms your lives too. You live your lives daily, and it may seem like you're only going through the motions, but I doubt if any of you can say with confidence that the words of Jesus have not done anything for you in all of your life. This Jesus, the Messiah, who knows everything you ever did, good or bad, came to reveal himself through his words, spoken to you or written to you. His words would never be devoid of the power to transform, even among the most stubborn of people. This same Jesus, who died and rose again, has given you the same living water promised to the woman. So even if you are only able to mumble a few words of his to somebody, even in fear, know that he works through that. Even if you do not see any results, have the assurance that he still works through your words. Even if fear attends your words, know that because he is the Messiah, his words still today have the power to transform, not only for others, but also for you. So live confidently, being transformed day by day until the promised eternal life becomes fully realized at the return of Jesus, amen.